Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's the Monday show. I'm Andrew Musgrove and I'm joined by Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes. We've got lots to talk about, even if there isn't much going on in the transfer window. We'll talk about how the month in terms of business ends for United, who might still go and who may come in. Be a word on the win over Fulham and if Newcastle United can go all the way in the cup. And of course, the great news that Lewis Miley has signed a new deal with the club. Please hit subscribe and share the podcast among United supporting friends and family. Aaron, how are we keeping you well? Yeah, very good. Good to be back on the Monday show for what seems like a, a lifetime, really. It does. It's been a little while and actually you very nearly missed today's show because you had the audacity to book a Monday off when you know you're a vital part of the Monday show. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. I won't have that accusation levelled at us because I, as you know, don't do the rota. Um, but I thought, been getting so many messages, where have you been on the Monday show? It's not the same without you. I thought, even though it's my day off, I'll, uh, I'll jump on and help you out. It's great that your mum still boosts your confidence, even at your age, Aaron. I'm sure she's missed you. Um, let's talk about some positive news because it does seem a little bit gloomy, even despite the win over Fulman Newcastle in the next round of the Cup. Everyone does seem a little bit down in the dumps. The conclusion from Eddie Howe's press conference, which took part place on Monday morning, was that it was a little bit uh, gloomy as well. But we'll begin with some real positive news, and that is that Lewis Miley has signed a new deal with the club. No word on how long the deal is, but it's a long-term one. I think the first thing to say, Aaron, is a 17-year-old, he looks right at home, not just in the Premier League, but the Champions League as well. And it's a fully deserved new contract for the lad. Yeah, a nice bit of a nice bit of news to start the week, um, and a very very important contract renewal for a player who you know will definitely have suitors from England and abroad after what he's done this season. Um, I don't think many of us would have had it on our 2023-24 bingo cards that Lewis Miley would be the, the standout, and that would be celebrating his contract over. Uh, many others, but yeah, massively deserved. Um, something that's been in the pipeline for a while, for a good few months. Um, and it's good to see that they've finally got it secured. He just looks so calm on the ball, doesn't he? And his vision, it, it's quite something. And the way he picks a pass out is 
is very special. And I, I can't wait, Aaron, until Lewis Miley puts a bit of muscle on and he fills out a little. Because when he does become a bit stronger, and you know, it'll take a bit of time. He's still a development lad. He's only 17, as we've mentioned. So it might take a few years. But when he does get a bit more strength about him, he's going to become an even better player, isn't he? Yeah, look, the sky's the limit. And, and um, I've got a good friend who, who listens to this podcast and does quite a bit of work with uh, Miley behind the scenes, um, away from Newcastle. And he was sort of asking us in our group chat the other week, where's the ceiling? You know, is he going to be the next Bellingham? And it's so hard to call, but you look at what he's done so far and you remember he's only 17. I mean, he's got so, you know, so much career left ahead of him. If he can just continue to improve, which he has done. And Eddie Howe, by the way, is the perfect one. And Jeff Rome as well. You know, he first have the the confidence to give him the chance, even though it was sort of forced upon him, given the injuries. Um, but that development's been absolutely fantastic. And hopefully, touch wood, um, you know, he can continue to do it for a lot, a lot of years. You know, I mentioned uh, a few months ago, I made a, a bold prediction and I'm, I'm well known for, for doing it. Um, but I did say that Miley could be potentially a better player than Bruno if he keeps developing the way he is, if he stays injury-free. And I stand by that just on what you've just said then. I can hear our listeners saying, oh, you're going over the top slightly. But I just look at the way Lewis Miley plays. He does everything so simple. He doesn't try to be too clever with the ball. And I was watching Bruno on Saturday. And look, Bruno is Newcastle's best midfielder. He's probably the most technical uh, person they've got in the squad in terms of ability. Um, but there was one instance when he had the pass on and decided he had to do it with the outside of his boot and it went straight out of play. When in reality, all he had to do was side for it and the player would have been through. He had two options. And I look at Miley and he doesn't do that. He plays the simple ball every time. And for me, that's what sets him apart. And if he can continue developing the way he is doing, keep showing that great attitude, fills out a bit, gets a bit stronger, I honestly think he could reach the levels, if not better, the level that we currently find Bruno at. Well, that's the first time I've heard you made that prediction. It certainly wasn't on a Monday show that you made that. Was it not? Maybe it was in my head. I've said it to somebody. Yeah, maybe I've, you've I've just... definitely said that to somebody. Maybe you've just bored Lil with it over dinner. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm going to get on board with that at the minute. But um, as you say, I think I, I think there's areas to improve his game, but that's natural for a 17-year-old. I think without the ball, maybe there's times where he just looks a little bit lost. Obviously, we saw against Sunderland, maybe the occasion got to him, but saying that there's so many positives to his game that it sort of doesn't matter. You know, he's fantastic on the ball. His positional awareness when they're going forward is fantastic. He started, you know, making these Sean Longstaff-esque runs at the box and getting in really good positions. Um, and he's starting week in, week in, week in to, you know, look really at home. So, yeah, long way to continue. I think mentally as well, he's been very impressive because as a 17-year-old, to be told... You've not only got to fill in for some very good players, but you're going to do it for the club you've supported as a boy. And then you're going to do it in the Champions League. You're going to go to Paris and play. You're going to play against some top-class uh, sides. That's a big thing to take on board, but he's just handled it superbly. And then he's kept himself grounded as well, which is a, it's a hard thing to do, uh, as well as just handle that responsibility that's suddenly been put on your, your shoulders. Yeah, well, when, when Lewis Miley broke into the first team a couple of months ago, and obviously we were asking him week in, week out about Miley, how just kept repeating the same thing about, um, you know, 
it's as if it hasn't phased him. He would play on a Saturday, he would do really well. He'd go into training on a Monday, and usually young players like that would be up a hype or they'd be overconfident or they'd be, you know, sort of thinking they were the, the dog's bollocks. Whereas he was just taken in a stride. It was just every game was um, as if it was just completely unfazing him. Um, and I think, you know, looking at those photos that the club released today of him signing that contract, he still looks so young, doesn't he? He looks about 13, 14, and yet. It must be absolutely fantastic for him and his family to see him do it week in, week out. Um, and by the way, what what a fantastic asset he's been to Newcastle during such a tricky season to have been able to call on him so early and for him to fit in to that team so early. It's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that's a difference, isn't it? Because, you know, you, it's one thing calling upon him and saying, we are literally down to the bare bones. You are mm. now going to have to fit in and rise to the challenge. But how many youngsters would, be, would have been able to do that? He must have something special about him for him to take all that on board and actually, you know, hold his own in this Newcastle United team to a degree where you you look round at when players come back fit and you're thinking he would be very very unlucky to find himself not in the starting eleven. Yeah, well, I mean, just off the top of my head, you think about some of the players that he has thrown into the senior side in recent seasons. You had Matthew Bonswell, who looked really really good for that pre-season, didn't he last year? You know, where's he now? You had Alex Murphy, who, by the way, looks a fantastic player, who really impressed over the summer. He's hardly getting knocking. And that's not saying, it, that's nothing against those players. But I'm just saying we've had a lot of youngsters who have been given a chance under Eddie Howe and they've just bubbled away in the background, whereas Lewis Smiley has, you know, forced the debate upon us as to whether he starts when Willock and Anderson and all these players are back fit. So, um yeah, just absolutely amazing that what he's been able to come in and fill in, but actually he's been able to make that position his own in recent weeks. We've got uh, Ian saying, David Beckham was 17, if he remembers correctly, and Les saying, Wayne Rooney was 16. Um, yeah, totally understand those points. I'm talking just from a Newcastle point of view, though, when you think back down the years of youngsters who have broken into the squad, there's been plenty um, next uh, taxis off the cab rank, so to speak, but none who have actually uh, gone on to the A1 and, and made the journey um, to the big time. What do you think Lewis Miley's thinking right now? You know, he's been handed this new deal. Um, you, you know, he's obviously trusted by Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe said he's, he's a big part of the, of the future. And now he's been praised, he's getting praised absolutely everywhere you look. What must be going through his head? Well, it's so hard to tell, isn't it? Because for the, like, for the reasons I've just sort of talked about, there's no real, you know, you look at him, you don't think he's swaggering around, walking all cocky, but surely as a 17-year-old Newcastle fan who's, you know, mixing it with the best in Europe when they're playing PSG and all this, there must be that little bit of your brain going, I am the man. But you just look at him and you don't see it. So um, I hope there is a little bit of that about him. You know, we always talk about Eddie Howe and we want to see a little bit more of the, the personal side. I hope there is that side of Lewis Miley who's thinking, you know, I am the man and he's just not shown it. Um, but I just think for his family, who are obviously have all grown up in this region, even for his brothers, you know, obviously Jamie's um, hasn't had a crack in the first team really, but he's really highly thought of in the reserves. It must just be fantastic for the full family as well as, as well as Lewis. Yeah, you have to hope that Lewis is enjoying this moment, but again, keeping grounded and knowing there's plenty more work to come down the line if he is going to become a legend at Newcastle. And you mentioned his brother there as well. I mean, we've had the, the dreams... Uh, some might say nightmares of the Amiobi brothers, um, the, the long step brothers not quite working out. But there is a big hope that in the not too distant future, there could be two Miley's in, in, in the first team. 
Yeah, potentially. It's weird, isn't it, that Lewis is the, the younger one at 17 and he's the one who's now playing week in, week out. And Jamie, who's got a couple of years on him, is, is sort of uh, working away in the background. I think the plan in the summer was to send Jamie Miley away on loan to try and get him some first-team experience. Um, but he picked up an injury at the start of the season, um, which sort of curtailed those plans. You never know that this this time around he might go late in the window. Um but I think, you know, the, the clock's maybe starting to tick for him, as I say, a couple of years older. But it would be absolutely fantastic if they could, uh, if they could both appear. It would be uh, quite something, wouldn't it? And we've got people um, in, in the comments uh, mentioning uh, Joe White, who's returned from a lone spell out. He was cup tight, so couldn't play against Fulham, but he's going to be kept in and around the squad. And given Newcastle's injuries, you, you wouldn't be shocked to see him on the bench against Aston Villa on Tuesday night. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think um, he went out on loan to Crew in League Two, did very, very well. I mean, they're looking, you know, very, very good um, odds for promotion at the minute from the fourth tier. They were very keen to keep him. Eddie Howe said we want to bring him back and have a look at him at least for the end of the month. I think Crew were the, under the impression that they would be getting him back on loan for the second half of the season, um, but that looks like it's changed now. And I think. Look, I'm not saying that Joe White is a, is a perfect substitute for an incoming midfielder in the transfer market, but if Newcastle can't go and get some late business done in that position, it gives them an extra set of legs and a young player that anyhow clearly thinks could do a job there. Yeah, fingers crossed he's another one who can maybe rise to the challenge. Uh, Gabby says, do you think the senior player sends young Miley to be in queue for some tartan paint and skirt and board ladders? Now, he's taken the mix slightly there, but I think the, the overall point... Aaron, that we, we can address is the role of that leadership group when it comes to the young players, not just Miley, but White as well, like we've mentioned. And Livermento, I guess you could throw into that category as well. Some young players with big responsibilities. Uh, and you have to hope, and we, we understand, you know, that the, the, those like Trippier, like Dan Byrne, they do play a big role in not just keeping these players grounded, but making them work to, to a very high standard as well. Yeah, well, there was a great moment earlier in the season when Lewis Miley, you know, came onto the pitch. Or oh, might sorry, it might have been Ben Parkinson actually, um, who came off the bench at Bournemouth um, just before Christmas when Newcastle got beat. I mean, this is when they were down at the very, very bare bones. Got, I think Anthony Gordon started at top that day, and Ben Parkinson said um, when he came off the bench, or you know, Kieran Trippier came over to me on the touchline before I came on and just said, "Enjoy it, you know, run your socks off." And I think. That, if that doesn't sum up what he's like and what that group's like for those younger players, it must be absolutely fantastic to be in a dressing room like that when you're 17, 18, you're filling in, you know, results aren't going the team's way, you're under a bit of pressure. It must be absolutely fantastic for them. And it shows as well, if you are one of these youngsters in the youth academy, that if you are good enough and you put the effort in and you work hard, there is a route to the first team. Okay, you know, Lewis Miley's, in a way, been handed it maybe a, a, a route through a trapdoor because of the injuries and the suspension to Sandro Tonali. But one thing that has been kind of always a constant under Eddie Howe and Dan Ashworth is the emphasis on youth. And if you are good enough, you will get your chance. Well, you look at what they've been doing behind the scenes the last two years, and Dan Ashworth's had a real big push on trying to get really talented youngsters to Newcastle from the UK, from Ireland, from Europe. And I think if you're a youngster now, I mean, they've just went and signed Alfie Harrison, who was thought of absolutely very, very highly at Manchester City, trained with the senior team uh, in November. You know, Pep Guardiola clearly liked what he saw. 
Newcastle can now go to these types of players and say, we can give you a route to the first team. Lewis Smiley's done it. Ben Parkins has been on the bench. Travis Hearns, who they only signed last summer from Shrewsbury, he was on the bench on Saturday night. So there's definitely a pathway now. And Dan Ashworth always says, and it's one quote that he's given that always stuck with me, Newcastle want to be in the position where they're never spending £100 million on a player because they want to have signed so many of these good youngsters back in the day that they can just work these players through. Um, and Miley and players like that are proof that there is going to be chances for these players in the, in the next couple of years. Well, Miley's uh, probably still keeping uh, Enzo Fernandez awake, hasn't he? Because he's just <laughs> totally embarrassed him every time Chelsea have played Newcastle United. One cost 100 plus million ones come um, from Anfield playing a concert um, and, and is, you know, mixing it with the big boys in the, the Premier League. I guess um, from an overall point of view with the club, Aaron, Sign up Miley is very important because the Newcastle United of old under Mike Ashley probably would have stumbled over a deal. I'm thinking of the whole Matty Longstaff saga back in the day, or just let him be snapped up by you know a rival. And I don't think there's a real fear now that Newcastle United are going to lose these players, they're going to be proactive in signing them up. Okay, they have lost. Maybe Bobby Clark's an example of where they have let let someone go. But you know, if someone's making an impact in the start of eleven. They're going to want to sign him up and, and, and build the team around him for the future. Well, Bobby Clark's such a good example, isn't he? Because he was the last sort of the last throws of the Mike Ashley era, and Liverpool obviously snapped him up. I think if that deal had come six months later, I don't think it would have happened. Um, obviously, that was a huge loss to see him go to Liverpool. But you're absolutely right. I think um, there's a real emphasis now on keeping top talent. And look, they're not always going to be able to do it. You, at the moment, you are going to get teams like Manchester City. And Chelsea and Arsenal, who can maybe offer, you know, a little bit more of an attractive project. But I think if you're Lewis Wiley and you've had such a breakout season, it's an absolute no-brainer to sign a deal like that. And I think, from my understanding of it, is Lewis Wiley was was offered a deal in the summer, um, and then it, the terms got improved in around September and October when he burst into the team, and then the, t- the terms got improved again, closer to a maxi signing. So. Um, it's just proof that, you know, I think Mike Ashley probably would have stuck with those initial terms despite the, the first team success, but the club have clearly rewarded him for what he's done the last couple of months. And does it send a message out to those other teams who in the past may have been looking at Newcastle as easy targets, but now they're not? Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think I think that goes for the first team as well as um as well as the young players. I think, you know, back in the day when they were fighting relegation and they maybe needed the money, I think clubs would maybe look at them and think we can pull a fast one here. I don't think it'll ever be that easy again. One, because obviously where Newcastle United are going, but two, because of how much care and attention is paid to the players behind the scenes, obviously with Ashworth and all their roles. So, um, look, hopefully it's just the start. As I say, you look at some of the talent that they've been signing um, at youth level, you know, the likes of Leo Shahar and um, Alex Murphy, obviously, who's done fantastically well up coming over from Ireland. They've got some really, really talented players there that are hopefully um, going to be stars in the next couple of years. Fingers crossed. And all remains to be done on Lewis Miley is what does the future hold for him? How big can he become? Well, I mean, some people are throwing around comparisons that he's going to be better than Bruno. I'm not sure I'd go that far. But look, he's got a fantastic career ahead of him. You've got to pray that injuries don't you know, take too much out of him. I, would, I hate to say it, but I would maybe like to see him play a little less football at 17, you know, when Willa and Addison come back, hopefully he can get a bit more rotation in there, but absolutely fantastic. And as you always say, when he grows into, you know, his frame and he gets bigger and stronger and he's maybe had 
a season or two in this division, he could be an absolute scary prospect. Fingers crossed. Roger Cook says, I definitely did mention my wild but wonderful theory that Miley would be bigger than Bruno. So come back to me in about a decade, I think, is probably fair. And we'll see where the land lies. Um, let's talk about Fulham then. Castle through the fifth round of the FA Cup. I think we've got to be honest, Aaron. It was a pretty poor performance from Newcastle, but the result is what mattered. The hope has to be that that result can kickstart the season. And sometimes, I guess, when you play as bad as Newcastle did and still pick up the win, that can really change the direction for you in the end of the season. Yeah, I don't think we can really sugarcoat it. It was a it was a poor performance. I don't think Newcastle really had a grip of the game until maybe the last fifteen minutes when it was pretty much done and dusted. Um, some for a, for a team that's just had a winter break, I thought it looked a bit of a leggy performance. I think especially first half when you thought, okay, they're going to be like the Newcastle of old. They've had a rest, which they've talked about for weeks. Um, but I think, thankfully, Fulham weren't at their best. I think even though Fulham had more possession than Newcastle, but really against the ropes, sometimes you never really felt worried. Um, and thankfully, Newcastle have taken their chances from two unlikely scorers. Um, but I think, you know, tomorrow is crucial. If they get beat heavily off Villa, or if they even get beat with a performance like that, like they showed at Fulham, I think you're back to square one pretty much. Very favourable draw next time out, which is fantastic. Um, because obviously given where they are in the league, given that they've exited two Cups in the last six weeks, they need a decent run in this FA Cup. Um, and either Blackburn or Wrexham are so beatable. So I don't want to be too negative because they've won and they had to win. But, you know, alarm bells if it's another performance like that at Villa tomorrow, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think if you do play the same way that you did against Fulham, against Villa at home, then that result is only going to go... Uh, one way because when you look at the way Newcastle played they were giving the ball away far too often they couldn't hold on to it it was like they were passing around around a hot potato and as you said they don't look like a team who's had had a break and my concern is that if you're giving the ball away to uh, you know Douglas Louise or John McGinn at Villa Park you're going to get punished they can't play especially like they did in the first 30 minutes against Fulham they can't play that way against Aston Villa at all no, absolutely not. And I think, you know, one thing we've learned about Villa at Villa Park in the last year is that they will absolutely demolish teams on their day. You know, they did it to Newcastle um, last April, I think it was, on, on March around this time last season when I think they won 3-0 or 3-1. They're absolutely fantastic that day. Emery's got them playing fantastic football. But let's give Newcastle the benefit of the doubt. Yes, they've had the winter break. Yes, they looked leggy, but maybe they just needed a game to get up to speed. Um and hopefully it's set them up. As you say, I mean, we said it after the Sunderland game, didn't we, that we wanted this to be the, you know, the kickstart of, of the season. Um, and obviously then it was Manchester City, which is probably the hardest game you could have had after that Derby win. But the next couple are crucial. Villa, you can maybe take a hit on, but then after that, you look at the fixtures in February. Hopefully now they put a run together with a solid end of the window as well, because whatever happens in the next three days is going to have a big impact on the end of the season. They need to keep some players. They still, for me, I know we'll talk about it later, I still think they need one, at least through the door. Um, but tomorrow is the big end. But look, they got the job done. They didn't need to be at their best on um, Saturday night, but I think tomorrow they'll, they need to, they need to step it up a, a level. Gary says, yes, Newcastle were poor, but it was a clean sheet, two goals, 
uh, away against Premier League opposition, we can only improve. And that is definitely uh, the viewpoint to take if you're looking for a positive outlook, which of course we are. I did feel though that United were, uh, <coughs> pardon me, were fortunate that Fulham, which is rubbish. I mean, there was a few beautiful crosses into the box, and I was sitting there thinking, hey, if Mitrovic was still playing for Fulham, mm. and this would probably end uh, a little bit different. You've got Marco Silva absolutely raging at Bruno's handball wasn't ruled out, but they are the rules. You know, it was an, an accidental handball. Um, it wasn't the goal scorer, but you can understand why Marco Silva has a little bit fewing at that. And um, maybe I don't know. Do you think the rule needs to change, Aaron, or are you just not that bothered? Um, no, I'm, I'm not that bothered. I think maybe if it had been at the other end, I'd maybe feel a bit more strongly about it. But I think he just needs to suck it up, really. Marco Silva, by the way, I, I really like. But you know, Newcastle have dealt with him twice in the last month, and he's had two very big rants. Um, so I don't think he'll, he'll be looking forward to playing them next season. Yeah, he's a little bit touchy. He's had a difficult week, though, hasn't he? Been dumped out of two cups now. Um, but what about the finish from Sean Longstaff? It was a lovely um, volley from from Longstaff. And again, the hope has to be that that we've said this before can maybe kickstart his season because I don't think he's been the Sean Longstaff that we know he can be in in, in recent weeks and months. He certainly he certainly hasn't been the Sean Longstaff that we saw last season. This- you know, specifically towards the back end of last season. He's obviously been carrying some stuff over the summer. He missed the start of the season. He's been in and out of the team. He hasn't been at his best. I didn't think Saturday's was a very good performance from him personally, but if I'm completely honest, I didn't really think the midfield as a whole had a good game. I thought it was one of those where Bruno goes missing and he was a bit sloppy. Miley, I thought, was okay second half. Um but Longstaff, one positive I will say about him is that he's adding goals to his game. You know, how often have we seen him making fantastic runs at the box? It was a very, very good instinctive finish on Saturday. Um, and look, Newcastle didn't have many chances. They had to take them when they came and they did. Um, and the same can't be said for Fulham, who, as you say, by the way, Muniz, who came into the team up front, looked very poor. They were having joy down the right in the second half, as you said, um, without really any end product. So... Yeah, Villa tomorrow will be a will be a different outfit. I think you know you've obviously got some fantastic players who can who can do damage up front. Um, but for Longstaff, yeah, I think we maybe just need to see, you know, glimpses of what we saw last season just to sort of. I, I don't know what you think about this, but maybe just to get the fans back on side. I feel like maybe he's dropped back into that category of being a little bit of a scapegoat again. I'm, I'm not sure what you think about that. No, I agree. I think he's, he's, for some, probably an easy one to target, but I've not been impressed with him in recent weeks. I mean, he's not been the sole reason Newcastle are performing badly, but I just think he's slipped in to the old routine of wanting too long on the ball. He, he goes down far too easily, wanting to win the foul. Now, Bruno does exactly the same, and you guys know it winds me up no end, but Bruno somehow gets away with it. He will get caught one day, but for now he gets away with it. Longstaff doesn't. And then Longstaff spends an eternity turning around the referee and complaining. It's like, just play at the whistle, keep going, or just don't do it in general. You know, try the simple ball, hold on to it a bit better. Look, um, there's no doubt in his commitment and cause to to the club. He's living the dream like, like Miley is. And I would love to see him just add a few more goals because I think even though it's been a difficult six weeks or so for Newcastle United, some of the games they've lost, could have been a different result, a positive result for Newcastle had Longstaff taken some of the chances because he's getting into the positions, but he's either not connecting them with the ball or it's, you know he's not he's just not putting in the back of the net. And if he can start finding his goal scoring form, 
And I think he can finish the season strongly. And then, of course, Newcastle benefit from that. Yeah, look, I think what we saw last season when he was really at the peak of his powers, he put a very good run together. I think he needs that momentum. Again, just to defend him because, you know, anybody who's listening to this podcast knows I absolutely love him. You know, you've got to remember that Lewis, Miley, Bruno and Sean Longstaff have played so many games more than they actually should have. They've got no cover at the minute. It's going to be them three again. You know, tomorrow it'll probably be them three again at Luton on Saturday. Um, unless, you know, we see a midfielder brought in in the next couple of days. And again, you know, maybe I'm clutching at straws here, but I think just to defend them, they've played a lot of games. Um, but I, there's no doubt in his abilities. improved so much under how I just... For him as well, I hope he shows it because, as I say, just I just think he's starting to fall into that category. And a, a bit like Miggy, a bit like Byrne, where he's such an easy target for fans. And I just, I don't know, I just don't like to see it. I think he's probably the most one, most vulnerable if everyone was fit. Yeah. Talking about midfield three, then I think for many fans, they'd put Miley ahead of him potentially. Um, but that's uh, what we'll talk about in the future. Dan Byrne got the second. And now look, Two players who have split opinion. Um, as I say, there's no doubt in their cause, their commitment or effort to the cause. But a lot of people feeling that both Byrne and Longstaff are not up to the levels of old. Um, you tweeted after the game, Aaron, plenty of predictable abuse thrown at Longstaff and Byrne on social media tonight. Very pleased they were the ones to send Newcastle into the next round. Do you want to just elaborate on on on, on the real point that you're making there? Yeah, absolutely. I think, and look, I want to, I want to start this off by saying just because Sean Longstaff scored, you know, I, I've just admitted five minutes ago that I didn't think he had a very good game. But I just think, um, Dan Byrne within. I mean, I was obviously watching the game on Saturday night, and I had, I had my, my Twitter open, and within the first five minutes, the amount of abuse I saw Dan Byrne getting because Harry Wilson had beat him in the first sort of challenge of the game. Um, and I just think, you know, fans are so quick to jump on him. Eddie Howe, you know, everybody asks about Tino Livermento, and it's obvious why Tino Livermento isn't starting because Eddie Howe has got absolutely no options on the bench in terms of attackers. So Tino Livermento is essentially an attacking option off the bench. He came on in the second half and he played left wing. He's a right back, really, by by trade. Um, so look, that this isn't me saying, look, they've scored, let's not give them abuse. I mean, I don't think they should get abuse anyway, but I just think fans are so quick to jump on them Saturday night, Byrne especially. Um, and I actually thought Byrne played quite well. Yes, he got caught out a few times, but actually he dealt with Fulham's you know, right-sided attackers in the second half. He was getting forward at times, um, obviously scored the goal. So, yeah, maybe my overriding message from that tweet was, can we please support the team a bit more rather than scapegoating some of these players who aren't actually as bad as you might think? I mean, there's a difference between uh, being critical, offering fair criticism, yeah, and, exactly. and, and, and abuse. We don't condone abuse. We we condone what I do. Um, you know, the, the, the fair uh, critique of their performance. I think that's important as well. You can celebrate the goal, but you can also share your opinion if you're fair and balanced, and say that player didn't do well. Yes, he scored, but his overall performance wasn't brilliant. And for me, I think Burn and Longstaff both fit into that category. I think, um, you know. Especially in the first half, Boom was was there for the taking. I thought, um, but Fulham just didn't make the most of it. It's just a shame that Boom can't close his legs a little bit quicker because he got Meg twice. Um, but I suppose when you're that tall, it's a little bit hard to do it that quickly. Um, but yeah, great to see him get on the score sheet. And um, I mean, like you say, he'll probably start against Fulham on on Tuesday. Um, and Livermento on the 
bench. Uh, let's talk about the um, before we get the actually before we get the 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 predicted team lineup. Fifth round of the FA Cup. You, you mentioned there Wrexham or Blackburn. It's got to be a trip to the racecourse ground, hasn't it? That's what we're, we're hoping for, surely. Well, I think if you're an absolute die-hard Newcastle fan, you're probably, sorry, a die-hard away fan, I think you probably want an Ewood Park because of the allocation. I think if you're, um, obviously we know Wrexham's story and, and obviously how they've came up, I think there'll be quite a few fans wanting that. If I'm completely honest, I don't mind. I think I would probably say Wrexham because on paper it's an easier tie and all I'm bothered about is them getting through. Um, but look, I think either are beatable, but I think I'll probably be supporting Wrexham tonight. But probably not for the reasons you are. For you are, I think. I just think it'd be. I mean, it'd be great to get a ticket and head down to Wrexham to go to the the racecourse ground and just be part of that. That obviously that Hollywood story. Hopefully, we can actually be the villain and the villain wins uh, the, the script and, and knocks them out of the fifth round. I mean, they've got to get past Blackburn first, which is easier said than done. And of course, those that do travel away will probably want the bigger allocation, which of course is Ewood Park and. The atmosphere and that we end on 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 Saturday at Fulham was something special. You had Alan Shearer um, in it, um, and I'm not sure of the I'm not sure of the fans were being polite or they genuinely did not realise he was in that away end until ten minutes to go. Well, I, I was saying this last night because obviously um, our Chronicle Live photographer Ian Bewey uh, was was down there uh, at Craven Cottage, and he sent me he sent me two photos through twenty minutes before kickoff of Shearer in the away end and I was thinking oh, okay you know fans were obviously asking for selfies and that at the start and I was thinking oh he's going to get mobbed all game I don't think we actually heard Newcastle fans chanting about him until about the 85th minute so yeah. I don't know how he man I mean I know he had his big coat on I know he had his hat on he was clearly trying to be in disguise um and it clearly it must have worked for a long a long period of time in that game I mean the big question is how many away points has he got how many well, points has he got I've seen this. I've seen this criticism aimed at him on Twitter in the last couple of days. I'm joking, by the way. I just want to put mm. that out there. I'm not being serious. If that anybody walking to any away exactly, ground that Newcastle United exactly. are playing in, somebody kindly tweeted 203 away games for Newcastle. There's his loyalty points. <laughs> um, but a fantastic atmosphere. It was. It was probably one of the best away ends that we've heard in in a long while. A lot of people saying. I don't know, I haven't checked this out, but a lot of people saying the ID checks weren't there and that's made the difference. Um, but you could certainly hear them, couldn't you, on the, on the TV? Yeah, absolutely. I think, rightly or wrongly, there's been a lot of criticism aimed at the club um, for the away ticket in this season and how, you know, a lot of uh, moaning about the atmosphere sort of being sucked out of the way. And that, to me, and obviously as a journalist covering the club, I, I never really spend much time in away ends anymore. But, that seemed like it was in a way end of, of yesteryear where it was really back to its best. And hopefully, um, you know, it's a sign of things to come in the future as well. Just amazing to see so many people travel all the way down to London for a 7pm kickoff when they couldn't get back, they have to stay over. And you've got Villa two days later. I mean, the TV companies really need to, need to just have a word with themselves. Something needs to be done where... You know, fans are fans' travel arrangements are taken properly into consideration because what Newcastle United fans are having to go through in the space of what 72 hours, it's not fair. And it's not just Newcastle United fans who are having to deal with it, it's across the board where TV companies, what they want, the games they want, are put well above 
you know, the 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 the, the out spend, the outlay that, that 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 fans have to spend to, to follow their club. Yeah, well, I was a bit I was a bit bemused on Saturday because the three o'clock games finished, and I thought, right, okay, I'm going to put the TV on, settle down for a nice five thirty FA Cup game, and there wasn't one on. And I was thinking, why on earth have you put Newcastle's kickoff time at this late? when there's no five o'clock game, you know, half five game. And I had somebody tweeting us the other day saying, oh, well, Fulham played on Wednesday. What difference does it make to Fulham if they're playing at half past five or seven o'clock on a Saturday night? Um, and Just as, move it to uh, a Sunday in that case. If that's, if that's a genuine reason, move exactly. it to a Sunday, midday kickoff, people can get home. It's absolutely ludicrous. And I think I've mentioned a few weeks back, I did contact the Premier League and I know it was the FA um, obviously over the weekend, but I did contact the Premier League a few weeks back about what consideration goes in, into the fans' travel arrangements and such short notice as well, which I think is really key at these games getting picked for TV. And they pretty much just said, you know, fans are always warned that changes to the schedule can happen because they will be picked for TV. And then they sent us a link to the Premier League website <laughs> about away games and it, so there was no there was no like oh yes we take into consideration the fans yeah and I think that that for me speaks absolute volumes well I mean Sam Mulner has, has, has kindly put in the comments what everyone's thinking and that is that another another kickoff tomorrow 8.15 is an absolute joke as well I mean there's just no need for it um, and as you say the short notice of some of these decisions is just ridiculous so but it feels like we're having this conversation as almost as often as your VR rants we're having this so often now um, so yeah, but I mean, fantastic to see so many fans, three thousand and more, down at Fulham on Saturday. Um, obviously, despite not being able to get home on a train, Eddie Howe actually was asked about it this morning at the press conference, and, and you know, sort of said um, he does feel for the support as he offered them a sympathy. But like I say, you know, what is really going to change apart from TV companies actually taking responsibility for it? No, and they'll be there uh, come rain or shine. I mean, I went down to. London in midweek for a bit of work. I tweeted out the fact that it cost me £85 uh, one way to get a, a, a plane down, a flew down, and it was it was about 200 quid cheaper to fly there and back than it was to get the train. And one Newcastle United fan tweeted me and said it's costing 300 quid for train tickets to Birmingham tomorrow. It's absolutely scandalous. I mean, that's a whole subject for another podcast, <laughs> but it is ludicrous. You mentioned Sam Mulner there, good friend of the podcast. I thought you were referring to his lovely comparison um, to me. He's compared me to, to, to Frost. Says Musgrove versus Masters. Frost Nixon all over again. I'll take that. I think Ooh. it's your mission to get Richard Masters on this podcast as the next Monday show guest so we can, we can grill him in person. Seriously, if he's listening and he wants to come and explain a host of decisions, not just to do with Newcastle tonight, he's more than welcome because I think it is about time he spoke to some fans and uh, asked and answered the hard uh, questions. Um, Villa then, we know how good they are. We know how good they are at home. They're kind of aware new, where Newcastle are last season. That's where they are. They, you know, they've not had the European football, really, the Champions League anyway to, to deal with. They've not had the bad luck with injuries. Um, it's going to be a difficult game, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Villa at home are such a formidable force. Um, they've also, you know, had the luxury of an extra couple of days off. Their last game, I think, was January 14th, you know, 16 days ago. Um, so, yeah, look, it's going to be it's going to be a huge challenge. Newcastle showed on the opening day, though, that they can match them, more than match them. Um, 
God, remember that first day when Sandra Tonali scored and we thought we were going to win the league and Villa were going to struggle and how the tables are turned. But look, Newcastle United on the day can you know more than match this Villa team. But um, let's just say I'm a little bit more pessimistic about tomorrow than I was about Saturday and beating Fulham. Any changes to the Newcastle United starting eleven for Tuesday? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, Eddie Howe was asked this morning about injuries. He said Harvey Barnes and Wilson are close. But again, it sounded more like um, further down the line, maybe Luton or beyond. Lascelles again looks like he'll miss out with that calf injury. Um, so yeah, I think it's the same. And again, for all those people you know, saying, why is Livermento not playing? Of course, Livermento should be starting. But... I think given the lack of attacking options that was on the bench on Saturday, I think it's a smart thing to have him as just a, a different option to come off the bench. I totally agree with you because if you take Levermento off that bench, then Newcastle have no one to turn to whatsoever. And I think if you look at the Villa bench, um, you can see the options they've got. But hopefully, um, you know, the likes of Willick, Barnes, Wilson can be back sooner rather than later. And that bench then suddenly starts to look a lot more threatening from Newcastle point of view. The last game United won in the league, if my memory serves me correctly, is against Fulham, right? Yeah. 16th of December, Fulham down to 10 men. Yeah. They need a victory, don't they? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Eddie Howe um, gave a very, very confident prediction. Or maybe not a prediction, but he sort of said, you know, we're not ruling out finishing the top four. The season isn't dead. Well, I tell you what, they need to start winning because if Aston Villa beat them tomorrow night and Aston Villa conveniently currently sat in fourth, then they'll go 17 points ahead of Newcastle um, with 16 games to go. So, yeah, look, as I said at the start of the show, the FA Cup win was huge, but you can't you can't write off the season yet. But they need to get back on track. And as I said earlier, next month is going to be crucial. We've obviously got Luton, Bournemouth, Forest. It's going to be a month on paper where they should be getting you know, some good results. You see, I mean, you say that, but both of them, well, all of them teams have beaten Newcastle. So, um, you know, wasn't, it wasn't easy the last time all those clubs, uh, Newcastle faced all those clubs, but hopefully it can be different this time around. Um, you might win, says, do you think Joe White will be on the bench tomorrow? I do indeed think that will happen because it just gives him another option. Um, as we've mentioned, he's, he's thought of very highly. Um Transfer there, and then I say that again. Look, I'm I'm stumbling over the word of transfers because I'm sick of it already. Transfers, then Aaron. It seems like Eddie Howe has set everyone up a bit of a quiet end to the window. Do you think that, or is this just Eddie Howe being Eddie Howe and just tempering expectations before a, a big move coming through the door? I think listening to Eddie Howe this morning um, at that press conference, it was sort of what we expected, given that we spoke to him two days ago. No change from him um, and I think the stance has been as it has been the entire month if they want to go out and spend this month then they are going to have to um, lose somebody unfortunately obviously Kieran Trippier is now set to stay it looks like Callum Wilson will stay too that only really leaves Miguel Almiron I think if you're going to get any big money now with the Saudi transfer window closing this time tomorrow and the player wanting to stay you're looking at the player, at the squad, sorry, and thinking who else can go. So, at the minute, with what seventy-two hours to go, it looks yes, like it will unfortunately be a quiet end. 
I think it will be a quiet end. I can't see anyone actually coming in or leaving. Uh, Eddie Howe described it as a complex situation. I don't think anything is clear-cut. All eventualities could happen. Probably what we won't do is bring a player in without moving moving one the other way. That would be impossible, but all other options could still happen. I mean, he's taken a page out of the Aaron Stokes how to sit on the fence book there, hasn't he, really? Um, not taking anything off the table, but not putting anything on the table. That's a typical Eddie Howe answer of things, isn't it? It was a very, very typical Eddie Howe press comment, if I'm completely honest. He looked like he wanted to be anywhere else when the transfer questions started. I think there was a little... He hates it. He hates it. He does. And I was quite surprised to to hear... Well, I wasn't surprised, but there was only two really blunt answers from Eddie Howe. And that was one when he was asked about Jacob Ramsey from Aston Villa, obviously linked with Newcastle this morning by the Athletic. Eddie Howe said, that's incorrect. Uh, and he also said Matt Target to Celtic on loan was incorrect. And I think anybody could have told you that because Matt Target is currently uh, recovering from a, a very bad injury and probably won't be back until at least March. Um, but as you say, the rest of the answers were very, very um, shielded answers from Eddie Howe. He was, doesn't give too much away. They're clearly working behind the scenes, but as you say, if the players aren't there to move out and also they're leaving it very late, let's just say Miguel Almiron does go, um, this time tomorrow and, and the Saudi team managed to persuade him to go, all of a sudden you're then thinking, right, well, we might have a bit of money to play with now, but what do we go and do? And also, how can we go and improve the team with only 48 hours left of the window? So I think Eddie Howe always knew this was going to be the case. He, for months, has said they're going to wait as long as they can because he thought he'd have players back, Willick, uh, Anderson, Barnes. We know that isn't the case at the moment. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, sorry to disappoint all the listeners and the viewers, but it looks like it's going to be a, a, an unfortunately quiet end. But you never know with Newcastle. You never know. I mean, if Eddie Howe tells me today's Monday, I'm definitely exactly. checking the calendar. Truels um, asks, she says she doesn't get why there are stories linking Newcastle United to 50, 60 million pound players when the word is that Newcastle don't have much money to spend. Can you answer that question? I mean, behind you say that they're working behind the scenes. Do you think they are moving the counters around, getting around the calculator and saying, okay, is there a way that we can find 20, 30 million pounds this January, you know, to maybe try and sign a player permanently? I think what they've been doing the last couple of weeks is they've been trying to identify targets that they can move for if they manage to get players away. Now, as you say, Darren Neal's sort of, opened the door for a lot of clubs when he came out and gave this interview with the Northeast press back saying, we are going to have to sell players. And I don't think it's any coincidence that a week later, Kieran Trippier was, you know, a target for Bayern Munich. Saudi Arabia thought they might be able to pull a fast one for Miguel Almiron. And Callum Wilson has been linked with Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, Atletico Madrid, AC Milan, to, to name just a few off the top of the head. Now, let's just say, for example, this time last week, Miggy had said, you know what, OK, I fancy Saudi Arabia, I'll take the money and I'll go. Newcastle United have then got their transfer list set, ready to say, right, well, we can go out and bring, you know, somebody like Jacob Ramsey, someone like Morgan Gibbs-White, for example. Um, but I think, you know, to say that Newcastle United were ever going to go out and spend 40, 50 million like they did this time last year, this time exactly last year to the day on Anthony Gordon, um, it was never going to happen this month unless they managed to get players off the books. And I don't mean Mankio or someone like that. I mean, you know, a big earner who's going to bring in a transfer fee as well. I've got to apologise to Truels. I've been 
thinking in my head that it's that he is a woman and he is not a woman. He's a he, and it's just been pointed out there live in the comments. So I do apologise, Jules, uh, my uh, mistake. Uh, thank you for watching. Keep watching. I um, I do apologise, but I I don't think they'll sell Miguel Almiron. I think the club are open to letting him go, and especially for the price tag that's been you know spoken of twenty five to thirty million pounds. It's a huge amount of money, isn't it? And something you'll probably not get in the summer. But as you mentioned there, the Saudi transfer window closes tomorrow, which is the thirtieth, um, and then Newcastle will just have a couple of days to get a replacement. And I, I don't think it's worth the gamble of letting Almiron go without bringing a body in. And it's not just all about Newcastle, though, is it? Because all the pieces have to be there. They all have to fit in place for Newcastle United to sell Almiron. And, you know, the club that you're buying from need to have a replacement for the player that they have agreed to sell to you to replace Miguel Almiron. And with a couple of days remaining in the window, I just don't see how that's possible at all. You're talking about Morgan Gibbs-White, potentially. Forrest, I know they've signed a couple of players, but have they signed someone that could replace him? I don't think so. It's tricky, isn't it? And I think, let's just take Almiron as the example. Let's just say Miggy went, and yes, Jacob Murphy's returned, which is a big boost, but do you then say, right, well, we've got enough at right midfield to cover us till the end of the season, we'll go out and sign a midfielder? Or do you say, right, well, okay, we've now got to replace Miggy, and then that Miggy money has gone, well, obviously, if they sell Miggy for, let's say, 20, 25 million, they're going to be able to spend probably three times as much as that on incoming players. Um to sort of manage the PSR, but still you're thinking at this stage of the window, can you get somebody in to replace Miggy? Can you get a midfielder in? You probably won't be able to get both. I still think it leaves them short. And if I'm reading between the lines and, you know, this is just a hunch because you can never read anything that what Eddie House says. I think at this stage of the game, if the window closed now and he keeps Wilson and he keeps Miggy and he keeps the cells and he keeps Trippier, I think he'll be happy with his January even though they haven't signed anyone. And I think if... It's weird, isn't it? Because I think I, I wrote about this last week. The first two or three weeks of the window, everybody was talking about who they're going to sign. And I think if the window closes tomorrow, it'll actually be seen as a positive because they've managed to keep all these players and not sign anyone. Does that does that make sense? It does Whereas make sense. Ago, it would have been a negative not to sign anyone. And anyhow, I mean, it's not really between the lines. Anyhow, said he would close the window now if he had the opportunity, uh, and it meant not losing anyone, but also not bringing anyone in. He said he probably would close it. So he is definitely in favour of that if someone would allow him that magic uh, power. And yes, I, I get what you're saying. I think a lot of people would look at it positively because they've kept their stars. But at the same time, there's such glaring issues in that starting eleven in the squad that not to have brought a defensive midfielder in for me would be would be a failure. I think a lot of people understand the situation they're in. They know the constraints that, that they've got to deal with. They haven't got a lot, a lot of money to spend. But, you know, if Newcastle end up losing to Luton, Bournemouth and, and, and Forest, then that's not really going to matter much, is it? Yeah, I, I do get that. And I think, you know, if you can only improve one area of this team, I think at the minute you've got to go out and get another pair of legs in midfield. Is Eddie Howe banking on the fact that you're going to have Willock and Anderson potentially back this time next month? I mean, they've been on their way back so often, you, you don't really know what when to expect them back. For me, Joe Linton's injury, especially given that it happened in January, for me was the alarm bell that you needed to ring. In an ideal world, I would love to see another midfielder through the door. I'm not really bothered about the quality either. I just think I'd like to see another set of legs in there. Um, 
But as I say, if you ask me now, I'm just not sure whether they've left it a bit too late. Yeah, I like I say, I think that's probably it. I don't think anyone will come in. I'd love to be proved wrong, but then you ask a name who it could potentially be, and I, I can't even think, you know, who who someone on loan might be. I mean, you last week, Aaron, um, mentioned the Spurs midfielder who could potentially come in on loan, but there's 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 not many options out there, and you can see it around the league as well and around Europe. Very few clubs are actually dipping into to the market this January. I mean, the Premier League, I mean, I don't have the, the statistic to hand right now, but you look at how little business has been done in the Premier League, who, by the way, usually in a transfer window, outspend La Liga, League and Serie A and the Bundesliga combined. And there's just been no business. I mean, Arsenal have just completely shut up shop. Manchester United have refused to do any business. It's been so quiet. Um so I think, again, trying to put a positive spin on it, if Manchester United and Chelsea and Arsenal and Liverpool and Spurs were going out and spending this month and Newcastle win, I think it would make you feel a little bit worse. But everybody's in the same boat. Um, and I think fans just need to be patient because I think I think the spend will come in the summer. They've shown the last two seasons that they've really strengthened in the closed season. Um, and I think in the summer we'll see some of those players moved on that haven't gone this month. Truel says the sad thing is we need a defensive midfielder and a striker. I think everyone's just holding out for when players return, the likes of Elliot Anderson, Callum Wilson, a full fitness, Joe Willick, and then hopefully they can finish the season really strongly and sneak in to Europe. Um, we've got loads of people in the comments. Uh, Chris says, Aaron, why hasn't the club looked for steals under the radar players, surely we could have brought in some squad players for under 20 million. And I guess the answer to that is, is that Newcastle United aren't just going to buy someone because they need that position filled in. You know, they have a plan. They will know what they want to do, not just in the summer, but probably the January after that and the summer after that. It's all very kind of rigid, isn't it? And they're not just going to go after someone because they're the right price or they're, they're on the cheap this player that they bring in has to be not only in the right position, it's got to be the right ability, got to be the right attitude. There's lots of elements to making that decision and they don't really like to deviate from, from the plan in hand. Well, Dad, Dan Ashworth came out just before Christmas and, and gave an interview and said, you know, they'll be active, but only if they think they need to be. They won't sign players for the sake of it. And Eddie Howe has also sort of echoed that. He's been consistent in the last couple of seasons, really, that they'll never do business for the sake of it. Now, we can say this month's different because of the injuries they've had. Um, but again, there was something really telling in Eddie Howe's answer today when he said, um, you know, we are we are responsible for the long-term success of this football club or, or something to that effect. You know, we're the custodians of it. And we, they, I don't think they want to move quickly this month and spend over their odds to then affect them in the future. As I said, that summer, I think, will will bring the big spend that everyone wants to see, always fans naturally want to see. Um, but I don't think they want to sign a player just to pigeonhole them in when they're a little bit short for a couple of months. I mean, in an ideal world, and I know obviously this is hypothetical, but, you know, Tenali, Jolent and Willick, Anderson, all out at the minute. Add that to... Longstaff, Miley, Bruno, that's seven midfielders. Lewis Hall can play there, that's eight. You know, 
do they really want to go out and buy someone on the cheap 20 million and then you've got a now a ninth midfielder in the mix come the summer it's it's about finding that balance isn't it and yes a lot of fans will say they should have just gone out and got anybody this month um but the club are, are you know they don't see it like that hmm. and a lot of people are asking who the um Spurs midfielder that I referenced was who was it Aaron do you, do you think that one's still bubbling the way under the surface? I, I, I don't think so. Um, but again, I think I think if Newcastle are going to go out and do a deal this this month, that is who they should be aiming for in terms of a big six player in that position who maybe isn't getting the game time, who might be you know an, an attainable deal in the last seventy two hours of the window. As Gary says, I can't see Spurs loaning the tea lady, let alone. A midfielder, um, so he's not confident of that one um, coming off. Now, one man who is going to stay is Kieran Trippier. I mean, last week was just absolutely crack as one hit. Bayern Munich wanted him, put bids in for him, big debate whether you sell him, whether you don't, really split opinion. And he came out after the Fulham game and actually made a request to speak to journalists and get stuff on the record, get stuff off his chest. I've taken these quotes from uh, BBC Ridge Newcastle. I think Razor was the first to speak to him out of the press pack. And Trippier said, there's no place I'd rather be. There's been a lot of speculation about me recently, but as always, I'm committed here, 100% committed, as I have been since I first signed. Wonderful words, but I guess what stands out, Aaron, is the fact that he 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 wanted that interview. He wanted to get those words out to the fans. Yeah, I, th- I think if you add to the fact that tw- what 36 hours earlier, Eddie Howe came out in, in front of the press room and said, I want to make this abundantly clear and I need to say it, Kieran Trippier has never asked to leave, to leave. And I think maybe behind the scenes, there was that feeling that, you know, Bayern had came in. There was lots of speculation that Kieran Trippier had given the green light to the deal. He'd agreed personal terms. Um, so very, very good that they've sort of cleared that up. Very good that Kieran Trippier, as you say, fronted up and wanted to speak about it. Um, Eddie Howe give a similar sort of answer today about Callum Wilson, who obviously put that that cryptic post on social media on, on Thursday or Friday. Um, but yeah, for me, Trips was always a player they needed to keep. Um, I really wanted to see him stay. Glad that he will do. Somebody's just asked in the comments, and it, it, I'm guessing this was a, a question that Gibbo asked last week when he was speaking to you. Regarding what he said on the preview, Trippier, Wilson, and Almeron would all be sellable in the summer. I, I think Kerr here doesn't agree with that, but I think you know those three players are sort of maybe the players Newcastle need to sell rather than Bruno, Isaac, Botman. You know when Eels give those those comments last week and everyone thought, oh, well, that means they're going to lose Isaac, Bruno, Botman, the big players. Maybe these are the players they're going to have to try and recycle in the summer to to really spend. No, I think those three potentially could be on the way in the summer. I think Trippier is probably the one that's more likely to stay, but I could see Wilson and, and Armion going in the summer. And it's all just about, you know, progress, isn't it? And 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 building uh, for the future and being bigger and better. And, and while these players, talented as they are, you know, they're getting old. Um, you know, Wilson and Trippier, with all due respect, and you will at some point have to make a tough decision about selling them as, as much as they're fan favourites, as great as they've been for Newcastle United. There comes a time when everyone's had the day, and I, I suspect probably more for Callum Wilson than Kieran Trier, but that day is not too far away, which will be a shame, but that is football. Um, I'm going to ask you, just before we get to the trivia, Aaron, a little bit of a random question. 
because he's been in the news over the weekend. And it's about Marcus Rashford. Now, we always talk about how Eddie Howe is the right manager for players. You know, he's a good man manager. He looks after them and he turns players' career, careers around. You know, if the price tag was 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 good in the summer and Marcus Rashford had an interest in coming to Newcastle United, could you see Eddie Howe wanting the Manchester United striker in the summer? Could he be, be the big marquee signing? Uh, I knew that question was coming as soon as you brought him up and that was why I was pulling my face. Um I think Marcus Rashford would cost Newcastle United far too much money. You know, you could argue that his form this season has been has been pretty poor, but I still think Manchester United would want probably close to 100 million. And I think it just wouldn't be a deal that... Uh, I don't know, I like Rashford and on his day, he's absolutely fantastic, but no, no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think it'd be too much money. I think he just needs an arm around the shoulders, doesn't he? I think maybe the pressure of being Manchester United's local lad's probably gotten on top of him. He maybe just needs a fresh start. I was actually quite yeah. shocked to see he's only scored 80 goals in the Premier League, which isn't a great amount of goals when you consider he's, he's played over 250 games, I think it is. Um, I thought he'd be well in the 100 club by now. Yeah, I, I am a bit surprised by that. I think what you're saying there about him needing an arm around the shoulder, I think maybe he should probably stop going clubbing in Belfast on a Thursday when he's got training at Carrington on a Friday. That would be my advice rather than getting an arm around the shoulder. But there's clearly something not right there. I think there's clearly something not right with Manchester United behind the scenes. But again, that's uh, that's for a different podcast than ours to discuss. But um, interesting question. But I don't know. I love Rashford. I think he's a very, very good player. But I, I can't see him ever in the Castle shirt, unfortunately. Niall says, uh, Dan Ashworth should be more forceful at looking for better value abroad. We've got Bruno, Isaac and Botman and none of them had Premier League experience and they are our best players, which is a valid point, isn't it, Aaron? But also, you're looking at the best part of £100 million there, if not more for all three of them. That's what they cost Newcastle United. So, you know, getting players of their experience and of their talent is all good, even if they haven't got Premier League experience, but they're still costing 30, 40, 50 million to bring in. So it's not like you're getting a cheaper option because they're still costing you a fair whack. What we need to be seeing, I think a lot of fans would love this and it'll happen in time, I think, is that Brighton model where they're going to South America and they're snapping players up for eight, 10, 60 million pounds. And we've seen how much uh, they're being sold on for, or we're seeing how much they're, you know, developing at Brighton and, and becoming, you know, players who you'd never even heard of now becoming regular, talented, brilliant players in the Premier League. And in time, that's my hope for Newcastle United that that model can be replicated here at St James Park. Well, we've seen it a little bit, haven't we, since Ashworth came in? I mean, Grant Kowal was their first real crack at it from abroad, obviously, came in from Australia. That obviously hasn't worked out so well. Jan Kuba Minter looks very, very good. He looks like They've maybe found a little gem there um, from the Danish league. So, yeah, I think in time we'll see a lot more of that there with the, with the Ashworth model. Fingers crossed. Right, we're going to get on to the trivia just before we do. If you're watching on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up. If you're listening later on the audio channel, thank you as always. Please leave a rating and review and share the pod amongst you and your cast night support and friends and family. We've got a pen and paper there, Aaron. Uh, I do, yes. You ready? Right. So... I have got the uh, January transfer windows from 2022-23 all the way back to 2013-14. And what I want you to do is name in order from highest to lowest the number of arrivals that came in 
that January. What? That's pretty simple. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You want me in order to name the players? No, not, that... not, not the players, just the number of players. Okay. Right. Or I can give you the years and you can take a punt. Would that be easier? Yeah, because I think I think your option is just ridiculous if I'm honest. But all right, okay. But I mean, that's not. not but I tell you what. I tell you what. I will. So, well, last year's got to be at the bottom of the pile because there was only one, surely. No, there was three. There was three last year in January. You've mentioned. Three, you've three, you've three just signing. mentioned one of them. Oh, um, cool. Oh, I suppose mm. yeah. And then there was um, one other one that arrived. He was paraded on the pitch at the same time as Anthony Gordon. Oh, Ashby, yeah, that, that's very true. Um, right, okay, so there's three there. I mean, honestly, so what year does this go back to? 2013-14. Right. I mean, right, I'll, get, I'll give you, but there's no more than five and the bottom number is zero. So there's, okay. there's, a, there's, there's some help, right? No, right. No, honestly, I, mean, I, I, I could not tell you any any. Looking at this this list of that I've written down of January windows, I couldn't tell you how many players came in each. No way. Oh, that's terrible. Right. Okay. I'll tell you what. I'll go through and tell you, and you can tell me one player from each window. How about that? Yeah. Okay. So 22, 23, three arrivals: Gordon, Ashby, Q all. Yeah. 21, 22, There was five arrivals. Can you name one of them? Can you name all five of them? Perhaps name all five. That would be Chris Wood, Kieran Trippier. Bruno Gomerez, Matt Target on loan, and the catalyst. Kieran Trippier. Did I not say Kieran Trippier? Yeah, I know you don't think he did. Trippier, Bruno, Wood, Wood, Bruno, 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 Trippier on, and Target. Oh, Burn. Burn was the one I missed. Sorry. Burn. 2021, one arrival came on loan from a Premier League side. Set the world alight. Broke records. Broke records. Now a permanent player at Newcastle. Came on loan from Arsenal. Oh, uh, Joe Willock. Oh, of course it was Joe Willock, yeah. 29 20, three arrivals, all on loan. You God, would say all three of them failed miserably. Um, Bruce Simons on loan. One had real potential. The other two were a bit like, hmm. No, I, I don't know. Former Spurs left back. Oh, Danny Rose. Then you've got a former Spurs midfielder. Bentaleb? Yeah, and then you have a man in the middle who, um, he had real potential, this chap. Midfielder on loan. He was more of a winger. Did he sign him from Germany? Sure, he went on to play Champions League football. I think fans would have been happy had they signed this chap, Lazaro. Oh, mm. 2018 19, two arrivals, one permanent, one on loan. The loan player never played for Newcastle United, or if he did, he played like three minutes. Left back. Um... From the French leagues. You are you would be terrible at a pub quiz. 
Antonio Barreca. There you go. And the permanent signing, still here, might be on his way out this month. And I'd have to close down me fan club. Uh, Miguel Armand, of course. January 17, 18, there were three, all on loan. One still here. One was a record signing for a now championship club, but was signed when they were Premier League side. And one had flashes of brilliance about him, um, but never reached his true potential. Uh, was one of them Jacob Murphy? Jacob Murphy, no. No? It was a summer signing. Jacob Murphy. Uh, nah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on those. Record signing for Leicester City at the time. Oh, um, Slimani? Yeah. One, still at the club now. Between the sticks as we speak. Uh, Martin de Bravka, of course, yeah, but um, uh, and the other one, um, yeah, just flashes the brilliant Rondon loved the service from this man, Kennedy. Kennedy, there we go 2016 17 0, 2015 16, four players. Um, mm. oh, hang on, yeah, so this will have been, um, this was McLaren, wasn't it? So it'll have been yeah. Shelby. Shelby's one of them. Um, a winger. Oh, come Newcastle might face him on Saturday, actually, if he starts. Winger. Oh, oh uh, Townsend. Shelby yeah. Townsend. Man, if, the man who I have to say, with all just better, had the most bizarre welcoming pictures at Newcastle night that I've ever seen. Fully clothed, pictured holding your cast United balls sitting in the club showers. Oh, um, was it? No, people would sign him on football manager because he knew where the back of the net was on football manager. Dumbia, Dumbia. Now, the other one is Henri Save. That was the fourth one. Save, then 14 15, none. And the final one 13 14, lone player. Striker Newcastle had signed his brother permanently. Oh, um, striker had signed his brother. His brother was signed beforehand permanently, but was unfortunate. He got some really weird oh, injuries. Um, it was De Jong. Yes, do you know his first name? Just to be clear, Luke. There we go. The most shocking round of trivia I think this podcast well, that was, has ever that seen, was, and that's saying something. I'm sorry, but that was a much better way of doing it than you saying, tell me how many players signed in the January. How on earth am I going to know that? That's right, in 13-14, loaned one player. I tell you what, the stick I'm getting recently over the, these trivia questions, I'm going to resign. I'm resigning as the fan club. I think it's warranted. I think we might need to be rethinking the, the trivia, if I'm completely honest. We'll get uh, Sam Mulner on every week to be the quiz master. I'm sure you'd revel in that um, responsibility. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news, including live coverage of tomorrow's game against Aston Villa through a dedicated live blog. we also got a transfer dedicated live blog as well, up and running. Aaron, finish with two predictions. First off, the score prediction for Villa versus Newcastle. Um, oh, I mean, I really don't want to end this on a negative note, so I'll go uh, a very spirited 2-2 draw. 2-1 in Newcastle, here we go. 
and give us your prediction in a sentence for the rest of the transfer window. Um, a late surprise. A late surprise. See, that just leaves people wanting more and that's exactly what we're all about on this podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in, guys. For myself and Aaron, we'll catch you guys very soon.